Hi, welcome to Payments and More, the Alive Show. I'm Nico, CEO of Alive. Each week, I will have a chat with successful women and men from the payment industry. We will speak about their business journeys and the lessons they learned. I will ask them to share their views, their opinion about the most relevant topics in payments and more. My aim is to bring you off the beaten track stories, views and perspective from a different angle to shed new light on what's hot in payment space and its future. We will go with the flow. Let's see where our guests take us. This is Payment and More. Enjoy the ride. Today, our guest is Rosini Zumwald, co-founder and partner of Allies. Rosini is a very well-known professional. She's highly uh, recognized in the industry, over 25 years of experience in payments. She holds uh, positions such as being global treasurer of Symantec. If you remember the Norton antivirus that was sold in 2000 or already in 200 countries, while she was one of the first payment professionals having to deal with so many countries. Today, we will hear from uh, Rossini on how to deal with payments in very complex markets, why having the payment function under finance is not such a bad idea, and how to manage multiple stakeholder relationship in payments. Rossini, welcome to our show today. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me to the show. So, 25 years of experience. You've been head of global treasury at Symantec, senior director worldwide e-business order and payment management, chief payment officer. I didn't know that position personally, and you were doing that at uh, Emergent Payment. You're also a co-founding partner of Stratgranat, and you have a passion for traveling. But, so, you've been between Europe, San Francisco. Where are you right now? I am in actually very close to the airport. I have a view of the coast uh, right here in the Pacific Ocean. Um, so it's quite nice, lovely so you, morning. You started in the Silicon Valley, went to Europe yes, and I've, came back. <laughs> yes, I've done a round trip. Uh, so yes, I started in Bay Area, uh, right in the middle of Silicon Valley, um, and um, headed out to... Uh, Luxembourg for seven, eight years, and then back here now in the Bay Area again. Wow. So after 20 years, can you tell that the Silicon Valley has changed? Is it the same than when you started your career? It's changed. I mean, I think, you know, everyone has the history of Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley itself was a very, let's just say, Palo Alto being the center. And then let's say there is about uh, short distance, right, uh, in between. And now it's quite extensive uh, in terms of what is defined as Silicon Valley, uh, north of San Francisco, south of, you know, San Jose. And not only kind of you're seeing a lot of growth from like the traditional players over time, but there's so many areas of opportunity around the fintech community. It's really expansive expanded um even the years that i was in luxembourg coming back it was it was quite strange actually seeing robots uh running in redwood city um you know delivering food so it, it's quite fascinating how much has changed um i think mountain view probably is a big uh moment of change where 15 years ago nothing existed there and now it's like the, the hub, right, where a lot of the fintech players congregate and hang out. So it's fantastic, actually. It's grown a lot. 
over the years. Great. So, you know, Rossini, we always praise for something our guests. We only invite very clever people. And I must say, I knew you 10 years ago at a time where uh, uh, you were one of the few merchants selling in so many countries with a Norton business. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but except the adult business, I think it was one of the merchants present in, 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 in the largest number of countries. How many countries did you have to manage? Uh, every single country. <laughs> it was really a true global present for um, Symantec Norton business. We were selling everywhere and it was a great challenge, right, to look at that business from a payments perspective, especially as you kind of go across the world. I think there was one point I'd say we probably had 300 you know, divisions set up, you know, to manage all the different markets that we're in. So it was a lot of fun, though. It yeah, was certainly how, a lot of fun. How does this happen? You're treasurer, and suddenly they tell you, here you go, 200 countries payment to manage. How is it in yeah. real life? <laughs> yeah, so it's fascinating because uh, I started in the treasury field, probably another one of those, I would say it's a, an accident getting in there, uh, into the treasury world. And, you know, having the opportunity to manage global treasury, right? It was, it, it was really about, you know, I call it financial transactions, more from a banking perspective, you know. And what happens next is the, as, as Symantec decided to build e-commerce as a competency, um, years before that, I actually um, was quite interested in volunteering to support um, our uh, e-commerce business. I mean, I... And so um, it was natural for me to just move from what I call payments in a corporate world to payments in the digital world. So that accident for you was more a natural evolution. Was it something attracting to you or so-so? Mm, <laughs> it was payments, right? It was just, I, I used to describe it this way. When I was in the treasure world managing, you know, 200 plus bank accounts across the world, the volume was very small, but the size were of these payment transactions were, you know, in, let's say, eight, nine digits <laughs> in size, right? And when um, I moved over and started thinking about um, the e-commerce business, the payments business in that world, um, we're really talking about, what, $50 transaction, but just millions of transactions. So... I mean, it was a natural fit. It was just, you know, I call it the decimals were just moved over <laughs> further. So, did anybody uh, take care of this stream of income for Symantec before you? Or you were no. the per first person to focus on it? No one did. I have to say that I probably, you know, it's kind of, it's like a, a story, right? Um, when I started Symantec, probably uh, my, my uh, second year, there was this subscription business that we talked about and I got involved because again, it's, it's clash cash flow related. Uh, it was natural treasury kind of interests, you know, that I needed to understand what was happening. You know, fast forward that 10 years later, I started uh, getting engaged with the um, Norton business and started really thinking about, you know, where is this, um, cash flow coming from, right? And and I literally volunteered 
to participate. Because again, it's 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 cash. How can you not think about so your, it? Your first mission was to uh, optimize cash. No, uh, what was your Absolutely. first way to look at it? You know, I think in most organization, right, they outsource their e-commerce and their you know somebody's looking after your payments. And I started thinking about it from you know the the funds that are coming in making sure like one of the first thing we did is to make sure we were actually forecasting that from a foreign exchange perspective because we have volumes coming through outside the United States and then uh, as any organization have to deal with these surprises is chargeback happened no. What was the first surprise? <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> oh, well, I think I got a call from the president of the Norton business saying, help us. We are in big trouble. And, um, and you know, I think we, there was a, a call from, from, from our uh, partner, a PSP at the time, and they just didn't know how to deal with the, the issue. So I got involved. It was me and an intern actually got involved. And we literally dug through all of the chargeback information and started, you know, it's, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a highlight of my career, but it was definitely a way to educate internally the value of having dedicated people that look after payment and fraud. First, the cash. Second, the chargebacks that Correct. appeared to be a problem at some point. And then after how many months did you start looking at the costs? Yeah, the cost of payment has always, it's interesting, right? Because um, it really depends whether the cost is being looked after from a financial perspective or a sales perspective, right? And I think that the cost was there. And, but no one, I'd say it, it's, it's unfortunately the last thing that people look at because people are so focused on, on sales that they don't really think about the costs until you start really think about your, the margin of your business. So I would say, unfortunately, people forget about it. I mean, we did eventually uh, as an organization, I think I mentioned uh, when we start thinking about e-commerce as a core competency, for Symantec, we realized how much uh, of our bottom line was associated uh, with costs that we were just giving away. So I'm curious to know, how was your first meeting with your boss six months after joining to explain him the situation? Because I suspect it was not the best situation, right? If, if nobody was taking care of payments and fraud. Well, what did I, you ask I have, him? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have an unusual story probably more unusual than most people, just like how I got into the treasury field. How I got into e-commerce was really like, you know, as we talked already, there's a lot of interest and curiosity in my mind because, you know, it affected the business from a financial perspective. And so before people talked about payments and fraud as an organization, I don't know. I, I don't know if everybody, anybody uh, remember uh, monster.com. I don't know if you remember... Absolutely, uh, yeah. Those, that was, <laughs> those yeah. names, but I actually had to call a few uh, people from these kind of up and let's just say new players in the market and ask them, "Hey, what's your? Um, how do you support this business?" And I started actually putting together my own, um, I don't know, view around how payment is a core for growing. 
e-commerce. I started thinking about what org that should look like. I started thinking about what competencies are required. And I can tell you, uh, whoever was willing to listen to me, I would pitch my proposal. This is years before we even decided to uh, manage our own commerce, e-commerce, have a team internally at Symantec, have payments and fraud and just you know, make the investment in the organization. So I had pitched my uh, COO, <laughs> chief accounting officer, presence of businesses. I'm not very shy. And so, and because I was head of global treasury, I was fortunate enough to know a lot of these executives. So anytime I had an opportunity, I would actually tell them this is what the org should be and this is what this org should do. So five years after, how many did you have? 20, 30 to manage 200 countries? Uh, I had all of it. Um, uh, five years later, I basically, when we decided we were going to make the investment as a company, I basically raised my hand. I went to the CFO and said, I'm the most qualified person in finance to join that business. Wow. So <laughs> uh, to manage so many countries, so many, I suspect you had multiple payment providers. Uh, give me some figures. I mean, um, how, how on a day-to-day uh, how many people do, do you have to manage? Uh, because, I mean, Norton um, uh, had a fabulous journey uh, in, in the antivirus uh, segment. It must be millions and millions of transactions, right? Yes. we. Um, so I think I mentioned when I started this journey, I was kind of doing as volunteer as a global head of treasury. And I had an intern. That was kind of our start. I had somebody that I work with in the revenue. So everybody was doing volunteer work, let's just say. And by the time we launched all of the markets in 2009, that fall, I had a team of two dozen people that looked after not only, you know, operations for payments, a strategy for payment. We were defining what the uh, roadmap looks like. We had a whole team of people doing fraud prevention strategy. We were also responsible for all of the uh, financial reconciliation. It was a big group. I mean, I think at one point in my, we had a, a team of three dozen people. Three but dozen we people. Were, wow. Yeah, but we weren't a. We drove business growth, right? So we weren't um, a cost center. We were a revenue center. So that's how we, I was able to uh, create such a large organization, right? Because we always present how much revenue we bring to the business as part of the growth that we have in our team. So what, what, what type of people, what, what type of skills were you looking for when recruiting? Because it's a little bit the question mark, right? You don't have university for payments. So where do you find those people? Only yeah, so, <laughs> so um, it was a variety. Um, we, you know, I think there's, there was some people in the organization that has been working um, with me over time. Uh, either they were previously my business analysts. We recruited people from the finance organization. So those, you know, so we did take the opportunity <coughs> looking at internal people uh, because they know the business well. They know the Norton business. So we just had to train them on, on payment and fraud. Um, we also looked at um, specific skill set in um, the banking sector. 
we hired um, a lot of people that was working for banks uh, in the um, um, like data scientists and data analysts, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we did that. Um, but we put together a fairly extensive training program. Uh, we were fortunate because we were we had time uh, before we launched. So we actually put together a full week of training. I mean, we got everybody in a room together for a whole week and we went through and trained around the business, who Norton is, what's important. Uh, we trained them on the markets that we had. Uh, we trained them on what we need to look at from a, what technology we were using, who, which partners we chose to uh, process payment or manage um, and help with manage fraud. So we, we did a lot of extensive training uh, of our team uh, in advance. So yes, there's no place to send them. So there was a few of us in the organization that was very well, were experts in our own field and uh, we made the commitment to do that. So as you as you said, you know the the type of payment you were managing were you know fifteen dollar, twenty dollar, etc. Plus the cost of your team. What would you say was the overall cost of payment for Symantec, with, without disclosing any secret? But uh, I mean, uh, for this type of players. Well, you know, I think for us we look at everything. So we're a software company. Symantec was. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I would actually say that was because, you know, Symantec's now been um, uh, bought uh, by various companies. But it's always, being a software company, you have a very um, amazing, it's, a, it's an amazing margin, gross margin business. And so we always look at cost as a percentage of sales. Everything is a percentage of sales. And so we have specific targets around what that cost structure should be. And when I say cost, I want everybody to understand that we actually look at interchange as part of that cost because to us, that's still cost, okay. right? Because I think a lot of time people are just comparing what's the spread and stuff like that. I understand that from a compare, but from a cost perspective, I mean, no one. And, and so granted, there's a very hard question to answer because we were in so many markets, right? And so we had um, APMs everywhere as well. Um, so, you know, nobody can really look at our number and say, okay, well, when I say I don't want to pay any more than 1.75%. Right. Right. I mean, that's everything because I'm measured again, that costs the consumer business of Symantec was 2 billion at its peak. 2 billion. Wow. Great. So, you, so know, you can do the math. It's a big I number. I'm still surprised with being a, a fast-growing company uh, like this, where you know the, the sky is the limit. It's almost only fixed cost in the in the business that you were reporting to the financial uh, uh, structure and not to the commercial structure. And I will ask you your opinion on that. But first, we'll take a small break because uh, you will have uh, uh, the opportunity to help our auditors. Uh, to win a trip for, uh, to Ibiza for two people during one week with our famous game. So, Rosin is very simple. I have a box on my desk. There is something to do with payment inside. The listeners can guess what's in the box. And if they guess, they win the trip. You're allowed to ask me one question that will be a tip for the listeners in order to guess what's in this box. Up to you. 
You choose a question, oh. and I decide if I answer. You know. <laughs> Let's see. Is it one item in the box? Yes. First tip: it's one item, so it's not two banknotes, for example. So, it's a, you, you, can you guess? You can if you win the trip. If you guess. <laughs> You're far well, from uh, Ibiza, but you, we will get you to Ibiza. Huh? <laughs> when we want something, we do it. <laughs> I don't know. It might be a little few, too early for me to be guessing what's in the box. It's one item. Mm. So uh, you can participate, gosh, okay. like the other yeah. listeners. Where to post your answer? You have to put it on our LinkedIn feed. So don't forget to subscribe uh, to our LinkedIn page, and there you can post the answer. The first person to guess the answer, can, uh, can win the trip to, to Ibiza. And you can uh, also listen to the other shows because uh, all of our guests uh, are giving uh, a specific tip for, for the game. So let's see. Let's see who is winning and uh, when we will join our favorite uh, listener to, to Ibiza. Back into our interview, Rossini. So commercial department, financial department, where, where should this structure? Because you may be an anomaly in the market. You know, because you volunteered, uh, you said. So do you think it was the optimal setup? Yeah, I, uh, I actually should probably clarify, right? Um, I was in the CFO organization. And when I volunteered, I moved into the commercial department. Uh, however, I you had moved not or they moved you? I moved. <laughs> ah, you moved. Okay. Yes. Uh, as I said, I'm not very shy. So I said the best way to support the business is to move to the commercial right now. And that's what I'm saying, right? I have dotted line. Well, not really. It wasn't a dotted line reporting from a reporting perspective. But I always knew, being a kind of a finance person, that I had to um, continue to uh, think about my role, my organization in the commercial side, still with the CFO um, interest in mind, right? So... Um, it was actually purposeful. I actually decided that reporting structure when we built the team. And the reason for that is for those people who's worked in finance, we always trap ourselves to thinking we can't do anything because it's a financial close. It's a quarter end. It's audit. And so it was purposeful actually to go to commercial that my key objective is to grow the business. So yes, I still have to... You, you would recommend to anybody currently taking care of payment, but uh, with a line manager that is a CFO, to ask, as you did, to move to the commercial department? I would recommend it if you're just starting your business and you're growing it. And the reason for that is you, you want to be focused on aligning your own roadmap as payments and fraud team to the growth of the business, not aligning your roadmap to thinking about you know, am I going to simplify the closed process? Am I going to make sure that the audit is happening? Yes, you still have to participate and make sure those happen. But that's not your first thing that you do every time you walk in the office. First thing you do when you walk in the office as a payment fraud person is think about how do we um, acquire more customers? You know, how do we retain the customers that we have? It's a very different mindset. Now, I would say, granted, over time, once we had established um, and was already open uh, in all of the different um, jurisdictions, 
we move, um, we eventually move um, uh, some portion of the team back to the finance organization. Right, I understand. So, uh, Rossini, then after you moved to Emergence Payments, uh, you co-founded our company as well. And I would say that when it comes to payment provider, you, you've seen it all. No, I, I can't remember uh, how many uh, provider you had. How, how many provider did you have at Simon Tech? At one point, uh, just the payment side, I want to say um, at least eight. Wow. You're making yeah. a lot of people dreaming right now, huh? <laughs> you know, so, I, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what, what do you think about the shape of the market today compared to five years ago? Uh, what, what can you see happening in the market? You know, I, um, I, it's, it's um, amazing how innovation have really played a, lot, a role uh, in terms of I would probably have had 15 if I was at Symantec today, um, <laughs> providers. And why do I say that? Because I think there's a lot of innovation in that um, the payment providers really innovated, making it much easier for merchants to connect, to have different choices, to see what those payment providers bring very quickly. Uh, now, I would say that merchants are still very much dependent on their internal technology team to be able to move as fast as the, the business uh, will require solution. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's 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 great from that perspective. What I've seen, maybe that I would hope will is a challenge in the payment space, uh, payment solution provider space, is that more attention to their merchant. Right. Because you have many players, but uh, you will say that what's failing is the attention to merchants. Absolutely. Um, like I said, it's, um, you know, if you're a very strong person like myself and a few of my, you know, I'm sure a lot of colleagues in the industry has been in the space, we're not very shy. You know, we're going to have our solution providers on the table. We're going to have these conversations with them about what works well, how they can support us, what's not working well. You know, I, I unfortunately, that's not the case in, in, you know, for, for everywhere in the industry around what I said, having courage to challenge your provider. Right. So you, you have those fintech players. At the same time, you have those large banks who seems to try to come back into uh, payments, either by acquisition or by investment. You have all those IPOs. We, we've seen like, you know, less than one year ago, Nuve was acquired by SafeCharge for almost $1 billion. And now again, Nuve is going to IPO. Do you think there is a kind of bubble in the market? And at the end of the day, maybe it, it drags the attention away from the merchants? You know, I think the, I guess you have to look at it from, perspective i think from from merchants you know you have the camp of merchants saying well great these acquisitions are actually giving me additional uh solutions that i didn't have before let's say you're connected um and yet at the same time 
it also makes it um, challenging because in a lot of cases, these you know acquisition consolidation doesn't necessarily bring the benefits right away. I mean, I I did mergers and acquisition as well um, for a very long time, and you know the the speed where a merchant can benefit from these consolidation is quite slow. Mm. Another trend we see in the market is about those alternative payment methods because uh, I would say alternative payment method was a kind of pain for companies that were truly international like you were, for example, and, you know, always very high cost. But I was looking um, this week, Klarna was valued at $10 billion. Do you think the future growth or the future of payment will come from those alternative payment methods? Absolutely. I think you mentioned when I was emergent, right? Uh, one of the core core focus that I had was to, I guess, run around the world trying to see how consumers are paying in those emerging markets, right? And uh, it's very different, right? I mean, I think being here in the U.S., you know, it's all about convenience. It's all about paying with cards. Um, but everywhere across the world, that's not the case. Uh, it's almost, I think somebody described to me at one point, it's like, well, isn't that inconvenient for somebody to actually go to the store to make a payment? Yeah, we think of it as inconvenient because we're so used to doing everything. We want things simple and easy. But in a lot of these markets outside the globe, it's all about behaviors, right? I have to go to the store and pick up something anyway. So while I'm doing that, I'm going to pay for a product that I bought online. So it's going to grow. Uh, it's just a matter of time. I think the fintech community is really thinking about it when they start thinking about these APMs and how to bring the solutions closer to the merchants. Um, so no, it's, it's going to change. I mean, Klarna is a perfect example, right? And the whole idea of paying later. I mean, I, I remember when Klarna first came to the table. That was a long time ago. And, and I think I, I thought, why would anyone want to pay that way? But as you can see, with this, with this valuation Klarna has, it's, it's, it's obvious that it, it's, it's going to happen. Uh, the trend will uh, will accelerate. That's the, I, that's my perspective. It, it will accelerate. Good. So right transition because you you're one of the contributor to uh, to our crystal ball. We are trying to guess the future in this show, and uh, I'd like to hear your opinion about what will be the game changer of the industry in 2021, according to you. Look inside the crystal ball. <laughs> mm. The winners will be. S- is really uh, a mindset change around reaching the rest of the world by really understanding and truly offering payments that consumer prefers. You know, I, I, I think that we've been talking about it for a long time. I've been looking at it for a long time and it's growing, right? I mean, think about the fact that Everybody is streaming right now. You know, it's great to provide a streaming service in Africa or in parts of Southeast Asia. Um, but if you don't um, offer the payments that people can actually um, 
that ha they have, right? It's, it's, it's really thinking, I, I hope that solution providers get out. And I know travel is very difficult, but leverage people that's on the ground to really look at how consumer are paying, you know, kind of observe that and really take that leap of making that right offer and, and making sure it's efficient and making sure that you truly understand how consumers pay, right? And customer is still king, and but those customers are moving from just the um, the places that we were we were uh, familiar, right? It's 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 outside of the United States. It's outside of Europe. So we really need to think about how do we reach those those customers. So yeah. So I, to me, it's like. My crystal ball is we're going to be so much smarter as an industry and we're going to start Good. listening and observing. Good. So now you have your golden minute, Rossini. Uh, the golden minute is a section of this show where you can promote either a brand, a person, a company, uh, whoever you wish to praise. We praised you at the beginning of the show. It's your turn now. And it cannot Ooh, be us. <laughs> that's a tough one can um, be a player can be a person you admire in the industry hmm. wow I don't know if it's a single person I would say what I admire most is whether it's organization people that are I love the word courage Maybe it's just it's really uh, resonates right now for for most people. But I think that in order for us to move and be continue to be innovative, to be interesting, whether we're you know payment experts or just I mean consumers, I think we need to have that courage, right? Try something new, offer something new, do it fast, try and fail versus not try at all. I know. I I know that I'm being very vague, but no, it's a collective praise. So uh, <laughs> you're praising all the people that are courageous in the industry, and indeed, in the payment sector, you need some courageous people because uh, mm. you always have new challenge and new frontiers to achieve. Great. So now you deserve that we move to our more personal questions. All our guests are asked exactly the six same questions. And you're going to be part of that. So don't be shy. You're not the only one. Uh, you will hear in every of our shows of uh, question being repeated. When did you fail in your career? <sighs> when did you I must fail? Have failed. Yes. I mean, failure. Hmm. I want to say that uh, the way I would define it is that I would have liked to have challenged myself sooner you know I, i i don't know specifically a failure but it's more of a a wonder right that you know i was i had such a fantastic opportunity at symantec it was a great learning it's like being in a company that's changed you know 20 times but same time um you know not going elsewhere because it was so much fun and where I was and a great team of people and a great opportunity to run, you know, global business. Uh, in some way, I think my 
failure in my career is not trying something else sooner. Hmm. Good. So, and when is the first time you saw a credit card? Do you remember that day? Oh, oh my. I, I do. I, I remember this. Everybody I does. I was in college. It was my, I was very young. Uh, I was, I went to college when I was 17, university, and I was able to open, receive my first American Express credit card. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was fascinating. And I don't remember, it was like a school program uh, where they were offering it, but that was the first time. That was a long time ago. We're not even going to talk about how long ago that was. <laughs> wow. So I, know one, uh, I suspect of one of your best kept secrets. I saw that you run a blog that is still online, Mixing Payment and Food. Explain to ah. us, Rosini. What's, what, how, <laughs> what's, what is it all about, Mixing Payment and Food? <laughs> well, you know... Um, I, I, like, I was very fortunate to travel in, a few years ago in different parts of Asia, whether it was um, in Hanoi and then, you know, I was in um, uh, Kuala Lumpur uh, and then I was in Ghana and then I was in, you know, I mean, it's, it's all over the place. And one of the things that I found fascinating is that Uh, it was, you know, when you travel these were, you know, I mean, what's the best way to, to think about how consumer pay, but actually participate in one of the most fantastic activities that you can do as a traveler, eat, eat the local <laughs> food, <laughs> um, making sure you have the ability to actually pay for that local food. And I think we uh, I can't now remember, but um, it, it was in, Malaysia, I think, um, uh, we were at a, a shopping mall and I wanted to eat a local food, but I didn't have any cash. Well, the minimum transaction where you can pay by credit card was just, I would have had to order 10 um, uh, main dishes to buy it. <laughs> so you did and you that's <laughs> why, <laughs> and that's why payment is so important, important uh, when you're Uh, trying different cuisines around the world. Good. And finally, if one day I become a millionaire, I love to offer you a present. What would you do? What would you want as a present? What would I want as a present? In 10 years, I call you and say, Rossini, here is your present. Well, it'll have to be some, some exotic beverage that I haven't tried before. Good. Making a note of it. You know, we have a long list now. So we, are, we have the shopping list of everybody. That's great, Rossini. Thank you very much for being with us today. Uh, people can find you on LinkedIn. Before we go, what will be your last recommendation to the stakeholders of the market that are listening to us? Continue to be passionate. Passion is, that's how you move, I think, the, the industry and the, the space that we're in, right? It's all about passion. As We all know this is something that kind of just happened, you know, many years ago. It developed, it's continuing to develop, and, it's, uh, and it, it's, it's fantastic to see, but it doesn't happen by itself. We need passionate people, passionate payment people, 
um, to really continue um, to drive um, innovation in this space. Thank you very much, Rosini. Today we learned that passion is important in payment. We also learned that uh, you should ask your commercial department to report to the commercial department if you're in a fast-growing business. And finally, that the total cost of payment should be your main driver when managing uh, your payment method. Thank you, Nico. Thanks for joining Payments and More, the Ally Show. If you enjoyed the interview as much as we did, please share this podcast with your network. Leave us a five-star review, of course, and subscribe now to Payments and More in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. This is the best way not to miss any episode with great guests. You can find more information about our guests today and how to connect in the show notes or on Allies' website. Last, I'd love to hear from you. Please let me know your suggestion for the next episodes, guests to interview, topics to address or questions you'd like me to ask to our guests in our Allies LinkedIn page or in the comment section of this podcast. See you in the next episode of Payments and More. I'm Nico. We are Allies.